often in the Hollywood Foreign Press Association. But, it's people with different tastes, you know. But yeah, you know, it's it is what it is, and I, I think you know yeah. we we shouldn't take the award shows too seriously. It's it's fun to see right. see it happen and hopefully see some movies you like be talked about. But it's it it's doesn't. Almost, it's fun to kind of watch the shows to see. You know what's going to happen. What what are people going? Is someone going to say something? You know that's going to yeah. be controversial. It's almost like more entertainment in that respect than it is yeah. um, anything else. But I'll say this though: some people take it very seriously. They do. And it's yeah. it's a passion for them. It's like their fantasy football, their fantasy baseball, or sure, whatever. Yeah. And I mean, I know we're going to be talking about the Oscars on an episode. Yeah, we're uh, we're, we're, we're after almost, the noms come out. Well, I was going to say we're gonna we're gonna kind of almost do a month of. You know, kind of Oscar talk leading up to the actual Oscars because, right? Uh, you know, we'll talk about the no- the nominees. We'll you know one we'll, we'll probably talk about the history of the Oscars. Um, right. In February, it has a very long history. It goes back all the way to the late twenties. Yeah, yeah. So it goes way back, way back. So that's that's a little bit of a preview of what we got coming up. But tonight's right. episode. Yes. Um, we are going to delve into kind of another, a little bit of a, you could say our, we're going to put our professor hats back on, as you'd say, a little bit. You know, we're not, we're not experts of any kind, but we, no. we do want to talk about something uh, in in the history of cinema and something I I personally find to be maybe one of the most in, influential uh, periods of, of cinema ever because it's still Certainly. still something that's evolving and being taken from uh, now and, it, and it's the French New Wave uh, movement of, of yes. roughly the ni- late 1950s through the 60s um, and uh, right. you know we're going to kind of go give you a little bit of an overview of you know what filmmakers were involved in it and how you know what are the kind of the components of what makes up that 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 film movement so um where do you want to start yeah we'll start with a little bit you know we'll go getting back in our cinema discovery machine going back to you know the 50s and the 40s and whatnot um the french new wave or uh La Nouvelle Vague, if you're uh, cool and you want to say it in the French Yeah, I, I will, French I will not try to say any French today. <laughs> yeah, um, I took uh, five years of French combination of high school and college, so I can say stuff like that and sound cool, but I can't <laughs> converse in French or anything like that. Like, it, it's limited. It's limited. But yeah, at least yeah. I can, like, get the pronunciations close enough to impress people. Yeah, but yeah. <laughs> with that being said, La Nouvelle Vague was a movement, like Stephen said, that started in the late 1950s, went through the 60s. Some say, you know, the mid-60s. I like to extend it a little bit more, give it a little more room to breathe. Yeah. Um, but it started with uh, a group of film critics, people who were writing for a very prestigious French uh, movie, uh, film cinema magazine called Cahier de Cinema, uh, which is probably something many people are familiar with. It's still... I believe in print today. I think every year they come out uh, with issues and stuff like that. And I don't know if you can get it here in the states or not. And if you and if you can, you have to order it, and it's really expensive. And I think it's only in French. I'm yeah. not quite sure on that, so don't quote me. But basically, these are names that you've probably heard of before. This is like film school 101 names. Like French New Wave is one of the most important periods of film history in the 20th century. Not only for the the movies and the people that it um, that we discovered through it, but the influence of it throughout the rest of the 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 century as as well as going into today. So it started off with, like I said, writers from the Cahiers du Cinema, um, 
people like Jean-Luc Godard, Francois Truffaut, uh, Claude Chabrol, Jacques Rivette, um, and also Eric Romer. And these people were known as the Young Turks. Um, and they were basically, uh, you know, they were critics and they were writing in these magazines, doing reviews and all that kind of stuff. And their big thing was they hated the way that French cinema had become too rigid and too traditional. Yeah, I and mean... It, for ba- them, it was boring, essentially. Yeah, yeah, basically, there was this... It was this... Basically, which it sounds weird when you say it out loud, but the fact that, that the cinema had gotten too perfect... Like it was right. too streamlined. It Every, was too structured. It basically. was too structured. They were pumping out like I think it was like a, a routine of like 120 movies a year, um, and and everything you know was very much kind of how Hollywood had had kind of built yeah. up its, its stuff. Like where everything was staged on sets and things like things were perfect all the time, and uh, not a lot of uh, experiment experimentation with filmmaking. It yeah, was just and, very standard. And- and the subject matter in the films that were coming out, they felt were not real. They were not subject matters that related to not only them, but to the people of France and the way they lived, the more common man perspective. Yeah. These movies were more like literary adaptations that were very pompous and things like that, you know, classic stuff like that. And it and they decided they were going to you know, try their hand at making movies themselves. But their philosophies and their ideas um, were uh, kind of inspired by writings and people that they read before. Uh, someone named Alexander Ostruck made a manifesto called The Birth of the New Avant-Garde, camera sti- cam- The Camera Stylo. It, this was published in 1948. And basically, he had this theory or this idea that we now know as the auteur theory, basically. Yeah, the, where, basically there was an American theorist that, that kind of coined that phrase. Uh, I yeah. think his name it was, was Andrew, Sa- it was Andrew, Andrew Saris. Saris, who yeah, passed yeah. away a few years ago. He was a critic. He was a movie critic. He wrote books and stuff like that. You, yeah. can, you can go and read his stuff now. He kind of coined that phrase. But the idea was, you know, put put to, you know, literally put to paper in 1948 this idea that movies are more art they're more they're more artistry than they are kind of a product that they're kind of like a painting or a novel where the person the literal author the person making the movie uh you know can can and should imprint themselves onto this film they should put their own style into it their own feelings make it you know kind of cathartic or something like that and this was something that was definitely picked up by Francois Truffaut I think he wrote like um, he wrote something similar to that he in like 1953 a, yeah, he, yeah he wrote a manifesto in the you know in the magazine that they they wrote in the cashier du cinema right and um, and it basically I mean it really kind of like just started a big controversy you know with this you know how things were and, and when he finally did his film uh, 400 Blows um, right. You know, he really, uh, really kind of, it's really the movie that's kind of known as the beginning of the French New Wave, at least popularizing the, you know, pushing it forward, you know, getting, getting it, get, even getting them money, you know, to do their movies. Because at the time, right, uh, government would not give money to, to, you know, no names, just like right. Hollywood nowadays, independent, yeah, are, nobody in yeah. independent cinema is getting money from the studios. Like it's. Yeah. yeah, there's yeah, 
it, it, it works. Movie finance, like that's another episode we could do because <laughs> it's wide ranging and it's different per country or whatnot. Here in the United States, you know, it's pri- we have capitalism, so everything's kind of private, privatized. So you yeah. get money from production companies, studios, whatever. But in some countries, the government gives you money to make movies. I know that happens in Australia all the time. I mean, here we get like uh, they do have, have like tax breaks or tax things where it makes it more incentivized to shoot in a particular state or particular place or things like that. Yeah. But that, that's a whole different story. But uh, going back to the French New Wave. Um, they also had another philosophy um, that I want to backtrack. Before we get into the movies, movies, uh, I want to get into uh, iconoclasm. Iconoclasm is this kind of philosophy of the the tearing down of certain traditions, the yeah. tearing down of icons, or just being kind of anti-establishment, if you will. You know what I mean? Kind of rebelling against the known order of things or the tradition of things. And that's kind of their philosophies going into making their movies is they wanted to make their movies completely different than what they were seeing on screen. And, and also, you know, in every way, I would say. And that's when we get into kind of the first films coming out. A lot of people credit um, Chabrol's Le Beau Serge as the first official um, French New Wave film from 1958. Most people say The 400 Blows because it was commercially successful. You yeah, know what that's I mean? what. I, yeah, it's what really. It's since he was Francois Truffaut was was you know somebody that people knew. They knew the name. Uh, through through you know his writings, he's kind of the one that pushed it. You know that right. got it through, got it got it got the foot in the door. Yeah, yeah. and yeah. um the the movie that came out in nineteen sixty, which is you know even more associated with the French New Wave, is Jean Luc Godard's Breathless. Yeah, that movie. Uh, Stephen and I have talked about it before, very much in depth, and that movie is just completely different than even what Truffaut did with Four Hundred Blows. It's it, well, it's so erratic it, in its filmmaking and revolutionary. Yeah, very much with Breathless, especially the 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 pure idea of what they're trying to go for is is kind of encapsulated in that movie because they were all about you know trying you know cin- cinema verite, which is like right. very much going to the bare minimum of film equipment and trying to make a movie very very grilla oh, yeah. almost grilla style where you're you know doing a lot of handheld camera you know not as much lighting setup you're using real locations um you know, you know and that's kind of and, and you know especially with breathless um you know they shot a lot of the movie was really long originally and basically to get it down to that hour and a half that it is now they just cut out what they thought was non-essential and it, right. it and, and it you know happy accident was created things that are now replicated you know specifically jump cuts yes or the big thing that was kind of popularized through this movie yeah jump cutting is something now that everyone does oh yeah i do it even on youtube yeah on youtube it's a it's a it's a standard almost oh youtube is a standard it's a standard for me because it you know you got to take out things you have to matter and it's done in various ways it's done in the French New Wave, it's done to transition from scene to scene. It's also done within scenes to uh, match up dialogue or stuff like that. But when it came to the overall cinematography, it was like nothing you've ever seen before. It was something that 
uh, was completely different than what was originally done. It was the way they would shoot things traditionally in cinema in in major movie studios and stuff like that is they would you know you know you have a master shot and then you would edit off of that master shot whether it would be uh, a two shot or a shot reverse shot or something like that but in the in Jean-Luc Godard and his movies and the French New Wave there was no master shots there was no traditional shot reverse shots there was just you know just shooting wildly sometimes you would just have the camera focus on somebody and there would just be someone talking to them off screen and they would just be standing there and there would be yeah. no there would be no chemistry or real flow in the scenes and the jump cutting kind of killed the flow as well but it made the audiences aware that they were watching a movie yeah it was it, their movies weren't escapism that was the yeah, one they, thing they, that's different than, you know, traditional movies at the time. They wanted to bring more sincerity to the movies. They wanted it to feel more relatable and not so much, like you said, an escape, which there's there's room for both, of course. But but I, I think at the time they felt like everything that was coming out uh, or what people were seeing was all about escapism. And, and I think that that is very much our today's society. You know, like yeah. today, it's yeah. I th- I think we're we're due for another uh, movement. You know, in cinema, where we we get away from we're, we're a little bit too much into escapism, and we need to get a little bit more reality. I think again, right? But right now, well, escapism is what makes the big bucks. So that's the way the things are wow. rolling now. Where you get a lot of the more real, tangible um, stuff is within independent cinema. That's yeah. when you get the more real looks at real life and real people going through real emotional, grounded in reality type stuff. And very much so, a lot of that was, you know, the basis was in the French New Wave. And what is interesting is we mentioned, you know, this idea of, you know, you know, bare bones type filmmaking. A lot of it is kind of inspired by another movement, which we'll probably talk about in the future at some time, Italian neorealism. Italian neorealism is as bare bones as you can get. If you've seen oh, yeah. Bicycle Thieves or anything like that, it's like, you know, non-professional actors shooting in real locations, you know, just bare bones type stuff. And the French New Wave took a lot of that. Of course, some of these these actors are, you know, prof- were professional actors and they became, you know, much more popular because of the French New Wave, they're at least remembered now. And a lot of these are big, big names that we all see in these movies. People like Alan Delon and Anna Karina, Brigitte Bardot, Jean-Paul Belmondo. I mean, just, you know, so many names. Jean-Paul Lailed, who was in 400 Blows. And Truffaut did a whole series of the character from 400 Blows. And just did a series of movies with that character following his entire life. Something that is astonishingly current because a few years ago um richard linklater did basically the same thing where he shot a movie over 20 years chronicling the life of this of this character that he created very much inspired by that we also had other people like catherine deneuve francoise de uh, d'orliac um jean moreau was another one uh, Gene Seberg, Gene Seberg was another one. Um, some other filmmakers who were not Francois Truffaut, and you know, yeah, there was a whole, Godard. there was a whole, a whole what bunch they, of them. There was all, a whole what they called left bank, uh, the left bank directors. Yeah, yeah, which, which were specifically, yeah. I would say, Agnes Varda was kind of the the big. She's a big one. She's yeah, one um, that a lot of people don't 
know about or they don't realize that she's actually still making movies. Oh, yeah. Godard is still making movies as well. Uh, A lot of people are not really seeing them now, seeing him now, but Agnes Varda is still making movies. She's drifted into more documentary. Her movies were more documentary style based. If you if you've seen a lot of her movies, they're mostly short films and documentaries and stuff like that. But they're fantastic. Yeah, a lot um, of the a lot of the left bank uh, French New Wave uh, players were their, their movies were a lot more literary. Like they they came right. from a literary background, but they, they still more artistic they st- based. Yeah, I feel. but they but they were still a connection there with with what they were doing on the right side. Um, yeah. They called again the left bank or Reeve Gauche for for people who aren't aware. I'm assuming that this has to do with uh, the Seine River that goes through Paris. Well, they were also they were also older filmmakers. They'd already been around for a little bit in the left side. Um, Yeah, but I think like just I think that's what that's in reference to is the left bank versus the right bank. Yeah, Um, yeah, I could be way wrong on that, but that's just me prognosticating. Yeah, we are. Um, yeah, Agnes Varda, her husband Jacques Demy, huge influence on musicals and stuff like that. Oh yeah, there is a Jacques Demy box set from Criterion, a Blu-ray box set that's just absolutely fantastic, and he dealt with a lot of more uh, romantic and fantasy type elements. Uh, this idea of you know fairy tale type romances and things like that, which were really good. Uh, Umbra- Umbrellas um, of Cherbourg was an influence on La La Land. Literally every single line of dialogue in Umbrellas of Cherbourg is sung, which yeah. is something you don't ever see. Uh, it's just Not incredible. as much anymore, yeah. yeah. Right, yeah. Even in traditional musicals, they didn't sing every single line. No, no. Um, you also have um, Elaine René, who is a director that is he started off doing documentaries uh he started off he, he did a documentary called night and fog which is a short documentary came out in 1956 which is kind of the uh, going over the the holocaust and its aftermath and stuff like that he shows actual footage of just these and that's, you know concentration and, camps and stuff and that's the and that's the, really the connection between the left and the right bank is the is the Wanting to get into realism, wanting to right. get into what what is real and what's sincere, and not about trying to cover up the problems of the world, you know, right. wanting to get into the political and the social stuff instead. Oh yeah, of, there was huge you know, political and social stuff. Well, the, yeah, they were happening. they were occupied during the war, and and kind of the birth of the new wave was when they were finally out of occupation. You know, when yeah, the war this, was over. All and, of these people were, you know, post. Um, World War II generation. Uh, some of them lived through the occupation and stuff yeah. like that. These were people who uh, were, you know, very expressive politically because of it. And there was a lot of political uh, things going on throughout the world in the 1960s, but also in France with the government and, you know, youth movements and stuff like that. Um, it just absolutely, it, it absolutely influential time when it comes to culture. Um, and by influence, we mean like there are a lot of directors who would watch these movies in film schools, in, you know, in, you know, coffee houses and art theaters and stuff like that in the 1960s, in the late 60s, in the 70s. Many people that we know of today, I come back to this all the time and I feel that sound like a broken record. That whole generation of American filmmakers got their inspiration from foreign filmmakers specifically from the french new wave martin scorsese steven spielberg george lucas all of those guys from that american cinema from the late 60s and 70s got all their influence from them um quentin tarantino 
I believe his production company, uh, I think it's still called Abandoned, Abandoned Apart, Part, yeah. which is a Jean-Luc Godard film. In the, if you look in the credits of, I want to say Pulp Fiction or maybe Reservoir Dogs, he thanks Jean-Luc Godard in it. I think he's like distanced himself well, now saying like, oh yeah, you know, I'm not, he's not that influential on me anymore, but I'm like, yeah, he is. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah well, he and, is. uh, you know, if you, if you didn't know this, Francois, Francois if I could speak, Francois yeah. Truffaut was in Close Encounters. Yes. Uh, so there's the, with Spielberg, you know, he, he, was actually because he, he did some acting. He was at, he was he acted in some of his own movies. He was in Night and Day and, and yes. some other ones. And and uh, so yeah, I mean they they very much uh, influenced American cinema in the sixties and seventies. And and uh, and you know we'll eventually get to the new the American New Wave. Uh, yeah. In another eventually. episode. Yeah. We will get to that movement as well. There's a bunch of movements, but this was I feel one that we had to get to early because I think it's the first one that I think people need to be made aware of. Um, and a lot of these uh, movements are connected to one another uh, in some form or another. Some of them happen, like, overlap with one another. Yeah. I know in Great Britain during the same time as the French New Wave, Britain was going through a new wave themselves uh, in the, you know, 50s and 60s where they were having their own um, movement where they were they were getting down to making movies about the common folk and stuff like that, very and, similar to and, what the new wave was doing. And you know, what's interesting to me is, is, you know, a lot of like in today's culture, you know, we look at foreign cinema as maybe being the more artistic, you know, right. uh, form of cinema. But back then, you know, as this French new wave was being kind of, uh, enveloped, you know, starting to, to, to be created, they were inspired by American cinema. They were inspired yes. by Orson Welles. They were inspired by the American films of, of uh, you know, uh, Alfred Hitchcock and, and uh, you know, Howard Hawks. And, and they, were, they were watching, these guys were cinephiles. They were watching right. these movies, all these movies. Um, and that was the other big thing is that they were people that were uh, they were able to watch a lot of cinema, and, and it wasn't just something that they just came up with. They were very inspired by other people. Yeah, so, and, and that's you know. something that is very commonplace now. Oh, it's common um, now, yeah. I mean, much. look at us. We're watching we're, – we're, we're cinephiles. We're watching movies to learn about movies. That's how yeah. I learned. I didn't go to film school or anything like that. You know, I always say I took a few film courses here and there, but yeah, I did. But I didn't go to film school – traditionally and the way i've learned is by watching the greats watching well, back, back then it was hard they worked. it was yeah. hard because there was not it wasn't as easy but during that time and i think it's still around they had a particular cinema that had like a, a vast library of of american and french films um i think it's what cinema i can't what is it called cinema uh, politique or yeah something yeah like i think that. So, something like that yeah um and it and apparently it was always regularly um um, packed out with people watching movies. Um, right. Yeah. I know a, a few more filmmakers that they were influenced by. John Ford, John, who basically yeah. invented the American, the traditional American Western. Uh, people like Nicholas Ray, who was doing a lot of American social commentary in the 1950s. Just watch Rebel Without a Cause or something like that. And what is interesting is that most famously, one of the the most well known film books that you can buy is the Francois the Francois Truffaut and Alfred Hitchcock interview book where Francois Truffaut sat down with Alfred Hitchcock and they go through his entire filmography going up to 
I don't even know when I it, it, the fifties or sixties or something like that, and and you can listen to the audio tapes uh, of of their conversations and whatnot. Yeah, and it's just fascinating how much he uh, Truffaut idolized Alfred Hitchcock and his style because the auteur theory wasn't really a thing, and it was just something that it's one of those things where. We give it a name after the fact. It's, or something that, like that, that that could be an episode by itself because there right. was there was really a debate between uh, the guy we mentioned earlier, Andrew or, Saris, and, and another um, journalist, a female what was journalist. Her name? I think I'm her last name her was up. Keller. Something Keller, I think, was her name. Um, I'm going to look it up because I know exactly what you're talking about. And basically, she was on the opposite side where she didn't believe in this alter th- theory and that a movie should be judged on its own and not by its artist. Um, Which is a very interesting thing we could get into in the whole episode. That's what I'm saying. I think, I think we could we could make that a whole it was other pa- it was I know who it was. It was Pauline Kael. Kael, Kael. Yeah, Pauline okay. Kael and Andrew Saras had, had a little like difference of opinion, literally difference of film theory, basically. Yeah. Where, it, you know, do you take the film as it is or do you take, you know, the outside you know aspects into in evaluation of the movie specifically the filmmaker and what they are trying to say what should, they should are we have to, to should we have to like have that subtextual uh thing added to the movie to to say it what to make it good or wor- better or worse like does that matter right. and that's what the and, auteur theory thinks that there needs to be more subtextual stuff to make the movie better and they're to like me, I, i'm more a subscriber of the auteur theory me, me too uh, yeah. just because I view film as an artistic expression by a specific artist. The artist being the filmmaker making the movie, and and once you, if you watch an Alfred Hitchcock film, you're like, that's a Hitchcock film. You watch yeah. an Orson Welles film, wow, that's Wellesian. That's that's Orson Welles, and you start seeing I don't all like of the, these different aspects. I don't like to mean? subscribe to the idea that movies are basically like on a conveyor belt and it doesn't matter right. who. That, that, that's how mainstream movies are a lot of times. You know, when when you see something that you've seen a thousand times get pumped out again, um, and it just doesn't have anything significantly uh, memorable about it, that's when I think of the other side. You know, I like right. movies to have a certain flair and look a certain way, and I can ad- identify with the filmmaker. I think slowly but surely we're almost getting back to that time where filmmakers were the stars. Like actors yes. are becoming less of the the reason people go to the movies now, and sometimes. Now, now it's the filmmakers again. I think Tarantino. I think Christopher Nolan. Um, you know, and there's others. Uh, and, and I'm hoping oh, we, certainly. yeah, I, ho- I hope we get more, more and more back to that. Because... I, every every generation seems to, you know, pump out a new generation of auteur filmmakers. You know, in the '90s <clears throat> we had the Kevin Smiths and the and, yeah, that's you know, another movement we have and, to go into. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, I, I ho- hopefully we're getting back to this thing where people care about the the people behind the scenes and the people the people with the vision <clears throat> more than necessarily the people you just see on screen. Right, and I think I think that's important because it's important to I think view movies more than just popcorn entertainment, which certainly some of them are. But I think it's important to appreciate them for being more than that. Yeah, um, it's it, it, they're. It, it elevates movies to a new stratosphere that I think makes it, you know, higher than life. You know what I mean? Like it makes like the, I think maybe it's, you know, I want to I want to say that because 
I want to make sure that watching all of these movies are worthwhile. You know what I mean? Yeah. You know, you spend hours and hours of your life dedicated to something. You want to make sure it's it's worth that dedication. Yeah. And movies, you know, for some are not are are, are things they just do, you know, for no particular importance. They just do it to do it. For, but for me and Steven and other cinephiles out there, this is a big part of our lives. Sometimes, so these movies some, mean more to us. Yeah, sometimes I look to movies to help <clears throat> help me wrap my head around something. You know, if I can't figure out why maybe some you know part some part of my life isn't working out, or or you know, or I'm mad at somebody and I don't understand their point of view, maybe I'll watch a movie that connects me to that idea, and maybe see I can see something in a different way. And, you know, right. it's there's I think there's a lot of ways that film and, and, you know, can can make you understand the world better and not just right. the world that you live in, but the rest of the world that you don't live in. Yeah. You know? Movies can connect people. You know, they can disconnect people as well. Sure. As, as the Internet will show us. Oh, yeah. Um, I mean, Stephen and I, you know, came together and bonded over movies and stuff like that. Um, but I, speaking of movies, I want to get into kind of mentioning some of the. Uh, more prominent films in the French New Wave. For those of you out there who want to get into the French New Wave and don't know where to start, basically, um, like we said, uh, like I say when I when I tell people to to get into anything, is start from the beginning. That's the yeah. best place to start. <clears throat> um, if you want to start with Four Hundred Blows, that's where I started with Francois Truffaut's Four Hundred Blows, and then Breathless, and then kind of. Um, and I kind of go back and forth between Godard and uh, Truffaut. Um, the next one in Godard is uh, Vive Sa Vie, which is a, va- a great, great film. Uh, Tru- uh, Truffaut had uh, he like had Jules a, he and had Jim. A, he, yeah, Jules and Jim is one I haven't seen yet, but I hear is just fantastic. <laughs> um, it is fantastic. It has that famous scene where uh, they run from one side of the Louvre uh, the Louvre Museum to the other side and they time it to like break the world record or something. <laughs> it's another great film. It's a film that's um, about human relationships. It's kind of based around a love triangle. It's fantastic. Um, if you want to k- step out of um, Francois Truffaut and Godard, uh, Agnes Varda, Cleo from 5 to 7 is a great film from 1962. Uh, she's a great, great director. Um, something, if you want to go into something that's more you know, difficult to watch, but more challenging. Uh, Night and Fog is a shorter film to watch from L.A. René, but he also did Hiroshima, Mon Amour. I was going to say, Hiroshima, that, one, that, one's, that one's That a, movie is... It's a... It, it's sexual, it's dramatic, yeah. it's... It started off as actually being a, a documentary, documentary yeah. about the aftermath of, you know, the bomb being dropped on Hiroshima, the atomic bomb. And the beginning of that movie, I have to warn people, it's graphic. It is <laughs> graphic. Um, but it, it, once you get past that, it's, it's a beautiful film. Uh, you have a film called Alphaville, I think was another Godard film. Yeah, you have um, also another one of the left bank directors was Chris Marker. Um, yes, he did, yeah, uh, he did, he did La Chate. Yeah, yeah, he did. It's basically a um, <clears throat> photographs. It's yeah, the whole film, film. Is, yeah. is done in still photographs, and it's it's literally the same plot as Twelve Monkeys, which yeah. was done by Terry Gilliam in the '90s. And Terry Gilliam famously has said, "Like, oh yeah, I never saw the movie or whatever." And I'm like, "Dude, you made it. It's like the same plot. <laughs> it's it's the same plot. It's a little coincidental." Uh, I mean, there's but, a, 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 a one of, one of my fa- of one of my favorite filmmakers uh, that we've we've kind of brought up 
I don't know. I don't know that I, I haven't seen. I don't know if I've seen a lot of the movies from this era, but I, I like right. Eric Romare. Yeah, Eric um, Romare's really good. Yeah, he he. I, I got his <clears throat> um, box set from Arrow, and I've seen a good portion of. But I'm not sure that all the movies came from this era. This might the ones I saw might have come a little bit later, maybe in the seventies. Yeah, um, a lot of these directors made films past the French New Wave era. You know, yeah, what Truffaut. I mean? Truffaut, unfortunately. Died he passed pretty away young. in the eighties. Yeah. Yeah. I want to say he passed away in the eighties. Um, like I said, Godard's still around, but Eric Romer is famous for doing his six moral tales, yeah. which is available in a DVD box set from Criterion. Hopefully, we'll get that Blu-ray upgrade eventually because I've seen them and they are very good. And they're all about like it, they all center around like a male character, and they're all kind of about uh, sex and romance. And the complications that surround those two subjects. And I would say, and even, they're all about like morality and stuff. Yeah, like that. Yeah, and I would but say they, even based even, on that, even if the ones that because I, I know the ones that I've seen, even if they were later on in his career, they are very much the same thing. A lot of yes. the same uh, concepts are in them films too. So yeah, I mean, I, I really liked the movies I've seen from him. So I, I can't. Wait. I haven't seen the Six Moral Tales, but I definitely want to check them out. <clears throat> yeah, it, they're really good. That was one of the the main things I I wanted to watch on Filmstruck before it went away. Night and uh, day, I, night and day is one I've seen from. Night Truffaut, and day is really good, which is one of the best movies about making movies. Making a movie, it really yeah. is. That in like eight and a half, but that's that's Italian yeah. cinema. Yeah. Um. Uh. What? Who else did I want to mention? Um. Oh, I want to mention someone who is not part of the left bank or Cahiedo cinema. And that is like, a director I think everybody needs to be aware of. That is Jean-Pierre Melville. Oh, yeah. Jean-Pierre yeah. Melville made... He was one of the older filmmakers who was making movies way before the French New Wave started. And he was making movies during and after the French New Wave. Um, he is a fantastic filmmaker. He, he, he made a lot of movies in uh, the French neo-noir genre, subgenre, which came out... In the 60s as well in France, uh, Le Samurai, mm -hmm. Le Circle Rouge, movies like that, which are just fantastic. Well, he worked with the, he worked with the actor uh, what's his name from Breathless uh, a few times. Um, uh, not John Paul Belmondo, Alain Delon, Alain Delon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and did you know like uh, something like um, yeah, like you said, Cirque de la Rouge and and yeah, uh, he was actually in Breathless. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, what I'm as saying. As an actor. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, he did Le Deleuze, Le Deuxième Souffle, Army of Shadows, yeah, uh, which yeah. is, the, I believe, about um, German occupation and uh, the French resistance. I believe that's, that's what that movie is about. I've had that Blu-ray for years. The and thing I really is, is even, even before the even before the French New Wave, Melville was doing oh, yeah. doing films he, that he, were very he was doing much stuff in the 40s. Yeah, he was doing uh, stuff that was art that was probably something that was. If it wasn't for the war, you know, would have kept going on. But when the war happened, the Nazis were controlling what was coming out. Oh, of course. You know, something like um, what's the one he did? Um, he did a Le, Le Silence de la Mer. Yeah, and that was about a German soldier that basically stays with a a, a French family and kind of, you know, keeps them captive, basically. In it, and yeah. you know, yeah. I mean, it's and and so that's a movie that's very much social and politically. It has yeah, something he, to say, and that's the kind of what the French New Wave is. A lot of the big deal of that, and he was doing it before that, so it's not like yeah, he, he wasn't, you know, already he, ahead of his his game at the time. He was would, I, obviously. I would say he would be an influence on the the Cahiers de Cinema directors as well as 
the left bank directors. Yeah. I mean, they would probably be watching what, his that was movies. that came out that came out in the thirties, didn't it? Le Silence de la Mer came out 1949. 49, okay. Yeah, uh, he also did uh, Les Enfants Terribles, which he co-directed with Jean Cocteau, a, a a French surrealist director who did the movie Orpheus, which is a, yeah. um, a adaptation, I believe, on that that play, I believe. Yeah, Orpheus, where the guy has to go down into hell to retrieve his like the soul of his beloved or whatever, but he can't. He can't look back at her while he's retrieving it or else she'll disappear. So it's like that thing where you have to have faith. Um, But the way Jean Cocteau shoots his movies, they're very surreal. He also did uh, the Beauty and the Beast movie from the 40s as well. Very surreal. That's one of Guillermo del Toro's favorite movies. Um, Oh, I can see that. Got a lot of influence from that. (laughs) Um, Yeah, Melville did Bob Le Flambeur. I mean, some really, really great films. Um, Unfortunately, to get to see all these movies now that we're talking about you kind of have to buy them <laughs> yeah <laughs> or, i mean or, in, or, until or... until the criterion channel gets up and running you know right. it's kind of hard to find these i mean you can probably look them up on youtube and rent them yeah. or but it's gonna pro- you know yeah there are probably some other streaming services that were that will offer them to you fandor or uh canopy or someone like that um but but, but the Criterion really, Collection's got a good you know amount. Yeah, honestly, the the one of the cornerstones or bedrocks of the Criterion Collection is the French New Wave. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. The, the the two first Blu-rays I think I I ever bought from them were like Four Hundred Blows and Breathless. Like every single collection I've ever seen on YouTube of Criterion has Breathless in it. Yeah, like it's all it's like Film School One Hundred One. That and Bicycle Thieves I think are Film School One Hundred One. Yeah. Um. Yeah, there there are many many people to go over uh, when it comes to the French New Wave. There's a lot of other uh, directors that I don't think are as well known. Someone like Louis Mal, who I yeah. think is a great director. He did Elevator to the Gallows. That's which one came of my out, favorites. Yeah, which you know, which came out during that time. He also did a bunch of movies. Um, uh, one movie that I always tell people to watch because I don't think a lot of people watched is Murmur of the Heart. Um. Just watch it. It's available on DVD, but just find it if you can. It's it's one of those, um, it's like a 400 blows where, you know, it's a young kid yeah. growing up and dealing with, you know, growing pains and, you know, that that type of journey. But it, it, apparently it's semi-autobiographical or something like that. I don't know. Watch the movie. But just also, I think just you watch could, the movie. Just watch the movie, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, Georges Franjou is another director whose work I'm not too familiar with. But he has done some movies that are on the Criterion Collection. The one film that I know people need to know about is Eyes Without a Face. Oh, he did yeah. a, he did that movie, and that movie's amazing. He also did Judex, which is another film on the Criterion Collection. But Eyes Without a Face, I think, is a staple oh, for yeah. everyone to watch, spe- specifically around Halloween. That's a great watch. Oh, it's a good it's a good one, yeah. So I mean, you know, we've kind of went over a lot of the filmmakers and a lot of the the his, some of the history and some of the the kind of the the filmmaking techniques that make up, you know, you know whether it's the the the, the documentary kind of style right. of shooting and and the jump cuts and yeah, the camera work is just unlike anything you saw before. It's about staying in the after. moment and not jumping yeah. or and not going by the the typical standard. You know, if it's a conversation, they're just 
panning they're going one or two you yeah. know back and forth it's more yeah. about staying in the moment and going with yeah. one camera shot you know and they were able to utilize space very well you know with only a four by mostly a four by three aspect ratio um which is very weird is you got some cinematographers that uh, one cinematographer in particular raul coutard who who, sh- who shot a lot of these french new wave films one thing that i found very interesting about uh, jean-luc Godard films if you watch his four his movies that were shot in black and white were shot in f- uh, four by three full frame one three three one academy ratio. But his films that were shot in color, I believe, were shot in widescreen. Mm-hmm. It was very very interesting to me that that was something that that show that that was something he wanted to do. Um, and Raul Coutard, I believe, just passed away. He passed away in two thousand and sixteen. So yeah, he just passed yeah. away. Um, and he was, you know, an influence, uh, an influence aesthetically on the French New Wave and people afterward, because his career went all the way up into the, like the eighties. Yeah. Uh, cinematography is another interesting uh, episode we could do. The history of cinematography, or we've touched yeah. on it so much, though. It's almost yeah, in, every time we talk inher- about it's inherent in almost everything you talk about. Really, I mean, it is yeah. because it changes and evolves over time. Whether it be aspect ratios or you take it for granted, and, you take it for granted. Really, uh, you know, editing editing yeah. is something that I think is very interesting. The evolution of editing, specifically when it comes to these movements, these movements yeah. always like they take they utilize editing in order to um, craft a new look or a new feel or something like that. Yeah, and that's and, and that's kind of the, that was the main idea of the French New Wave was to break ground in all ways, to change the game in all ways that they could um you know, for the future of cinema. And I think that that's something that should be a lesson to future generations. Always right. be trying to push the boundaries, try to do something different. Um mm-hmm. one and, thing I yeah, one thing I do want to mention before we officially wrap this up soon is that um, there, there was a bit of a rivalry between uh, Francois Truffaut and Jean-Luc Godard, where they originally started out as friends and then became kind of competitors <laughs> or rivals. I think that famously they would write letters to each other back and forth, criticizing each other's work and all kind of stuff like that. And it's very, very interesting just to see how different their styles are. Yeah. Um, I've, I've always... Uh, kind of ingratiating myself more towards Francois Truffaut. I think I've seen more of his work because I think there was a lot more heart and a lot more meaning in Truffaut's work that was kind of laid out easier for us. Whereas I felt that Godard was kind of just, you know, messing with us the whole time. Like he was like, yeah, I would say, you know, he was like, he was doing stuff just to make us like attack us as an audience. You know what I mean? He was definitely the more experimental uh, filmmaker yeah um, and he would sometimes some of his work like he would do it just to do it like there yeah. is a absurdly long tracking shot in his movie weekend yeah. uh, i think from like 64 or something like that and you think it's gonna lead up to something and it doesn't lead up to anything <laughs> and i felt like he's just doing that just to mess well, with yeah us. he's doing it to show you all the different people what they you know like it shows all these different people in different cars yeah. um and but showing usually, what they're up to Usually, you know, that's a you know a long setup. There's a payoff, and then to payoff, it. yeah, and yeah. then there's no payoff to it, and and it shows how there are other directors who who did that later on. Oh um, yeah, well, Manuel, Stanley Kubrick. I was gonna say Emmanuel Lubetsky does that with with his filmmakers a lot, where they use a lot of long takes. And well, I was thinking, I was even thinking more of you know just 
messing with the audience, manipulating the audience, I think yeah. is something that a lot of filmmakers do. Oh, uh, yeah. More yeah. Pr- provocateurs, you know what I mean? Sure. Uh, someone Lon, like Lon, Dave, Lon, Lons von Trier. Uh, Lars von Trier. Yeah. Uh, um, yeah, yeah, I'm trying to think. The guy who directed Irreversible, Gaspar Noe, that's, he's uh-huh. you know provocateur. Um, even someone like David Lynch, who... Is doing he's doing it, but he's doing it more of on a, a, in an artistic, surreal way to get inside your mind to because he knows to that make you, it feel uneasy. He knows you know that if I mean? he does certain things, he he you, the audience expects one thing, but he's going to do it the other way just to fuck yeah, with you. <laughs> it's just unpredictable. You know what I mean? Uh, John Luke Godard was more unpredictable. Truffaut was he, like like we, like we said, it was more about being sincere and being real. And yeah, not like necessarily. Four hundred blo- blows is, I think, uh, a film that is an all-time film in the sense that there's universal stuff in there. Yeah, you know, you know, uh, the character I think comes from a a troubled home, and he's trying to find where he fits in the world, and he just can't quite, you know, figure out. He's going through those teenage angsty years, yeah. which is something that happens in every generation. Uh, Breathless is, you know, it's about a guy who's running away from a crime like it's more like this, it, it doesn't this, have quite the hemp or the 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 meaning or something like that i think if you watch uh john luke godard's follow-up film uh visa v i think has more meaning in it yeah. uh, that's a movie a lot, a lot of people talk about um he also did like a masculine feminine uh yeah, just a bunch of movies uh contempt is another one yeah with bridget bardot that's a great movie um, did, he, did he do um Woman, a woman is a woman. A woman is a woman. Yeah, he did that. Um, Truffaut did the movie called Shoot the Piano Player, which I watched yeah, years ago, yeah, yeah. and that's a really good movie. Um, Agnes Varda is is an amazing, unappreciated filmmaker, and I think her early her early work was you know, uh, specifically a film called La Pointe Court, yeah. which came out in '54, is very much a precursor to the French New Wave. Yeah. Um, it's a fantastic, fantastic film, and I think a lot of people just need to check out a lot more of her work. Her work is actually tougher to find than most of. Yeah, I think I think there is a box set from Studio Canal, maybe um, had, might have something out there. But it, yeah, like you, and and there were some things that came out through the Criterion Collection that hopefully will make their way back in. Um, right, a but, lot of her uh, stuff's available on DVD through them. They do have yeah. an Eclipse set that has like a bunch of her work in it as well, um, but that's mostly like her documentary stuff. But but, uh, but uh, yeah, we we've we've, we've given covered you a, a lot. Yeah, we covered, we covered a, lot. a lot of filmmakers, a lot of different movies. You can check out a lot of recommendations. But um, you know, there of course there's so many layers to this movement that you know it would you know that could be left for other episodes. But um, I think we'll leave you off there. And and if you guys um have any favorite uh French New Wave films that you want to talk about, just send us a comment. You know, we'll comment with you, talk about them. Um. And uh, maybe we'll we'll probably definitely do some of these movies in a spotlight one day. Of yeah, course, that's um, why I didn't want to get we don't we don't want to get into too many of them. Yeah, and we don't want to you know get into each of them in depthly because we're probably going to look at some of them in depth later on. Oh, definitely. At definitely. some point, we'll probably pick out one that just a lot of people don't. Yeah, we'll go for a lesser, probably a more lesser obscure but an important one that that. Yeah, left probably the mark. it probably won't be breathless or. 400, 400 blows or it, it'll maybe Jules, Jules may, maybe Jules and Jim. Maybe, yeah. Cause so. Stephen hasn't seen Jules. I haven't and Jim seen yet. it yet. I'd like to, I'd like to talk about it, but, um, 
I think we'll, we'll, we'll leave it off there. And uh, so with that said, even though we didn't say our names at the beginning, hopefully you're still with us. <laughs> where do you, yeah. where, <laughs> where, who, Andrew Cabral, where can you be found? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Capzilla06, as well as my YouTube channel, Capzilla Productions. And you can find me, Stephen Billings, on Facebook. Um, you can also find this podcast on Instagram, um, YouTube. Uh, you can find the audio also on Apple Podcasts, uh, iTunes. And um, coming up uh, this next week, we are going to be doing our top 10 of the year uh for 2018 uh we're gonna do our favorites um we're also gonna have a guest on for the first time a friend of ours uh mr dan skep allen's gonna come on and 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 discuss our favorite films from last year and we don't really we're gonna have a certain format we're probably haven't figured it out yet but we're gonna probably do our 10 favorites from each of us and then we're gonna probably talk about honorable mentions also at the end but uh it'll be uh, an interesting show it'll be our first guest so it'll be interesting to have a third person to talk to on here. Um, but um, that, and then we'll be, I think we'll be close to talking about Oscar stuff. So yes. with, with that said, um, hey, keep on watching them movies. I know I will. <laughs> <laughs>